Good morning to our, those who are tuning in via live stream this morning. You're, we're glad that you're with us. If you're here in the room, we're glad that you're here. Before we get going, something that the Lord put on my heart this morning that I just wanted to share and coming out of worshiping through that song. And just so you know, as you stand backstage and you hear God's people worshiping and singing, it is a powerful, powerful thing. So thank you. And what I want to encourage us with is as we move into 2020, and maybe you're sitting here realizing, how is January already half gone? It just felt like Christmas was last week. I had all these hopes, plans, dreams of what this year was going to look like, and it already feels like it's slipping away. Let me encourage you with this. My prayer is that 2020 would be a year for us where not only we see growth in our own personal lives, but we see growth and depth in our church. And my question, what I've kind of been challenged with over this last week, is how much am I actually praying for our church as a whole? Praying for the impact that, as a, that we can have in our world and in our community through what God does here, not only on Sunday morning, but through the rest of the week. And kind of where I've sat with that is I probably do not pray with expectancy and with the hope that I should, believing that God can do what he says he's going to do through us. And so that's my challenge and that's my encouragement is that starting this week that you will intentionally pray for our church. And I don't mean the brick and mortar walls, I mean one another. And how God is moving not only in our own personal lives but us corporately for what God wants to do for his glory through Calvary. So that's my encouragement to us. My challenge to us is to be praying expectantly towards that. Now back to our sermon series. Thank you for that little commercial. We're in the middle of a series where we're taking a look at biblical wisdom that's found in the book of Proverbs in the Old Testament. And this sermon series has been one that's been more of a word study. So instead of having a passage that we're going to exegete or go through and look at, we've been taking particular words and trying to understand the deeper, more godly understanding, meaning of that word, but also how it impacts our lives. And Daniel opened up the series talking and explaining how there's an earthly wisdom and a godly wisdom. And that's kind of where we came up with this graphic. It's the Hebrew spelling of the word chokmah. It's a fun word to say. Don't worry, I'm not going to leave you guys out. You guys are going to be Hebrew scholars by the end of the day. So I'm going to say it one more time. It's chokmah. It's kind of like you're hawking something up, right? Okay, and I want everyone else to have fun. So on three, we're going to say it together, all right? One, two, three. Chokmah. Good job. It's a fun one to say. You got to say it more often. So it's this idea of wisdom. And Daniel explained that there's some crossover between what the world deems as wise and what the Bible teaches. And some of that is similar, but there are some differences as well, and that's what we want to pay attention to. We want to understand what the Bible teaches as chokmah, because as followers of Jesus, it should be our desire to have biblical wisdom over earthly wisdom. So Daniel started out talking about the fear of the Lord and how the beginning of all wisdom starts with fear of the Lord and a proper understanding of who God is. And then he talked last week about humility and how when we walk and understand the fear of the Lord, humility naturally comes out of that. But how humility can be difficult because as soon as you describe yourself as humble, by the very nature and definition of the word, you are not that anymore. So he encouraged us last week to practice curiosity, 
to ask questions with people. To how, how, can we, how can we lift up? How can we elevate others? And this idea that being humble is not thinking less of yourself, but thinking less about yourself. Which I think is a challenge for all of us. Which leads us to today where we're going to take a closer look at the word integrity. And I hope you see a progression here that first comes the fear of the Lord that leads to humility and then the humility leads to being able to live with integrity. And if I'm honest and transparent with you guys today, this was a difficult sermon for me to write. And we're going to get into that here in a little bit. But this is something that I've struggled with over my life. And so writing this sermon today made me realize um, some of my shortcomings. It made me thankful for my wife who has been there lovingly to point out times where I may have embellished a story or tried to make myself look good. I never had that before, someone that was there all the time to point out. That's not exactly how that happened. And we'll get into that here in a little bit. But for definition purposes, Merriam-Webster defines integrity as a firm adherence to a code of especially moral or artistic values. When I've been talking with my boys, this is a, a word we've been using, one to be men or boys of integrity, and what I've described to them is this is doing the right thing even when no one else is watching. Doing the right thing even when no one else is watching. And for our purposes today, we're going to be talking about it from the perspective of an adherence to a moral or spiritual code that we find in Scripture. So again, kind of we've done in the past, there's going to be a lot of scripture today. So you can look up on the screen, you can go to Proverbs, most of it's going to be there. But if you want to go ahead and get to Proverbs 11.3. If you're not familiar with the book of Proverbs, it's found kind of in the middle of your Bible. And it's written by a guy, most of them were written by a guy named Solomon, who was king um, of Israel at one point. He's the son of David. And one time God came to him and said, what would you like? I'll give you anything you want. He said, give me wisdom. And so he wrote most of the Proverbs that we get, and it's a book of wise sayings, a book of biblical wisdom. And in Proverbs 11.3, we read this. The integrity of the upright guides them, but the unfaithful are destroyed by their duplicity. The integrity of the upright guides them, but the unfaithful are destroyed by their duplicity. So here's the first Story, as I said, this is something that for me I've struggled with, and Lisa has been so generous and so loving in helping me make sure that I am being as truthful and as honest as I can be. When I was in college, though, there was a, a, a time that I'll never forget. We were at, um, some people were hanging out one night, big group of people, and there was one guy in particular who was being a little bit aggressive, a little bit unruly, and to the point where we needed to ask him to leave. And me and another buddy escorted him out to his car, put him in his car, and sent him home. It really wasn't that big of a deal, um, but when I decided to tell that story to another group of people who weren't there, I decided to make myself look a little bit more heroic. I decided to make that story a little bit better. I wanted a few more laughs. I wanted people to think higher, highly of me. And so I kind of described the situation and said that I, was a little, I had to be a little bit, little bit more physically imposing upon this guy to get him into his car. And what it really did is it painted this gentleman in a very, very bad light. But it painted me in a great one. I looked fantastic. 
So as I'm telling the story to this group of people who weren't there, again, people talk. And there was a friend that was in that group that happened to be friends with the sister of the guy who I had to help leave that day. And this sister also happened to be the administrative assistant to our college ministry that I was a part of. So at one point, she approaches me and says, hey, Drew, I heard this story about you and my brother, and I don't think the way you're telling it is exactly how it happened. Oof. And then it led to a conversation with our our college pastor, a very difficult conversation where I had to admit that shamefully I'd lied to try to make myself look better. I had to apologize to her for painting her brother in such a poor light. And trust was broken with some people that I cared deeply about. All because I wasn't living with integrity. I was more concerned of how people viewed me and what they thought of me than what actually happened. Have you been there? Have you ever been caught in the shame of not telling the truth? It's embarrassing. It's a terrible feeling. And the worst part is, like I said, it's the broken trust that comes along with it. As we read here in the Proverbs, integrity works as a guide for the upright. But when we try to live a life of duplicity, we are destroyed. And is this ever true? In those times when I've not acted or been used integrity in the words or my actions, I feel like most of the time I spend is all of this energy is to try to keep the lie going or to keep the position alive. And I don't remember who I told what. And I spend all this energy to make sure all my stories line up. And before I know it, the lie keeps growing and growing. My defensiveness around it gets more and more. As soon as someone tries to call me on it, then I get really defensive because I don't know what I've said to who. And it's really confusing. I spend all my energy and I lose the peace that is promised because I'm not being truthful with myself, with others, and what's going on in the situation. It's exhausting. And what I've found over the last several years as I've tried to improve upon this is there is freedom found in integrity. Proverbs 10.9 says this, the one who lives with integrity lives securely, but whoever perverts his ways will be found out. Living a life of integrity brings freedom and it's refreshing when we don't have to be constantly aware of what we said in front of whom and what front we've put on we are free to be ourselves we can live securely and at peace because we don't have to feel like we're spinning all of these plates at the same time and if we don't pay attention to them they're all going to come crashing down because we've taken the bold step of walking in integrity It's one of our core beliefs here that God has created us to live in community with others. What's one of our three areas of focus in our discipleship pathway. But I believe that when we live a life of integrity, it leads to a deeper, more authentic community. If we are transparent with one another, most of us are not comfortable with who we are. We wish we were smarter, taller, wittier, funnier. Maybe that's just me. The list goes on and on. And due to these insecurities, we often pose or put on an act or a front in a certain way with certain people. Here's some examples. Maybe for you at work, 
You are constantly doing everything that you can to gain power in a meeting or with people. To gain a, so you're, you're doing whatever you can to put yourself in the position that you want to be in at work. Maybe for you it's in a classroom. And you are looking for any place that you can make an intelligent remark that's going to impress others around you. Or maybe when you're on a stage speaking to a few hundred people, you embellish a story to get a laugh or to make a point. We all do it. I can remember in college when I got there, it was a, it was a fresh start. I'd moved to a new place. I could be anybody that I wanted to be. No one know, knew who I was, and so I could start spinning all these stories to be who I wished that I would be, but there was no integrity in it. We all are doing this. And can you imagine a place where we didn't have to? Can you imagine a space where you could be fully known and be yourself? This is available to us, but it happens when we walk with integrity. Living with integrity in this type of community means that difficult conversations are going to happen. If you're truly living with integrity, eventually people are going to annoy people. And difficult conversations are going to occur, whether it's coming clean in an area where maybe you were not honest, or truly telling someone how their words or actions affected you. When this is practiced and done in love, then we're able to have deeper relationships with one another and more authentic community. But the reality is most of us stay away from these conversations, these difficult conversations, because they can be awkward. And we're never sure how they're going to be received, and probably rightfully so at times. Trust is needed. A humble posture is needed. Difficult conversations are not about saying whatever we want without a filter. But it's about creating space for humble honesty and in love in order to be known, understood, and transparent. This is something that's built over time and with care. We need to be prayerful about these conversations, not just rush into them. This is because without caution, care, and humility, these conversations can be hurtful and even abusive at times. But as we follow Jesus and try to live our lives like him, we allow space for this transparency, which is extremely helpful in living with integrity. So hear that again. Difficult conversations that are going to deepen community and give us more authentic relationship is not a space for us just to air our, whatever we want to say in a free will to say, hey, I'm going I'm to tell you this, I'm going to tell you how it is, and you just better sit there and listen. No, this is about having humility. And being able to approach these conversations humbly, like you're the one who may have to sit on the other side of these conversations. A time for me that stands out is, again, as I've told you, Oregon was a very transformative time in my life, and so you keep hearing stories over and over about it. I apologize, but bear with me. And while the first one of the years we lived out there, I lived with a married couple. And we had this townhouse. Um, I was friends with the, the guy in college, and they got married. And I was going to get married um, here pretty soon, so we were living together to save some money. And I can tell you, Derek and Stacy are awesome people, and I am so thankful for them. And I would give you, if anyone is single here and wants to learn how to be married, live with a married couple. As a man, it helped me learn how to clean up after myself. 
I learned to put my dishes away. I learned that I can't just be with a slob. It was extremely helpful to, me, to live with another married couple before I got married because I learned about communication. I was able to see a healthy marriage on display. One of the things that happened while we lived there, though, about six months in, Derek said, hey, Drew, can we sit down and have a conversation? That usually doesn't go well. As I said, that can be awkward. Sure. So we sit down, and I know this is something that they had prayed about. We had known each other for years at that point. And as we sat down, they started to let me know of some ways that I wasn't being very considerate of them. Of how on Saturday mornings, I would turn on the TV first thing in the morning, and the TV would not go off the rest of the day. How I had college football on all day, and I did not care about what was going on with them, and the fact that they actually enjoyed a little bit of silence. So having the TV on was bothersome. Again, we just had one living space, so we need to be considerate of others. And it was kind of nice. I had a buddy there with me all the time, and so we would hang out, and I wouldn't have any awareness that it was bothering his wife so much. Or there are times that I would come home and they'd be in the middle of a conversation in the living room and I was completely oblivious of what was going on and I would just sit down and say, hey, how's life going? Not aware of what was really going on in the room and how difficult that was for them. And even to the point of, um, I enjoyed having ice cream in the evenings. And so I was having ice cream pretty consistently at this point in the evenings. And one thing I would do is I would scrape the bowl at the end to get all the little like, ice cream that had melted. And that was like nails on the chalkboard for them. But it wasn't anything that I was aware of that I was doing. But it was problemsome, problemsome. And it was affecting their marriage. And they lovingly, gracefully had this awkward conversation with me. And it caused our friendship and our relationship to go deeper. It made the next six months that we lived together, in my opinion, a lot easier. I was able to be more aware of other people instead of just myself and how it affected them. And it opened up this door for us when there was other problems of things that I did or if there was something that they had done that we had already crossed this bridge of this is a safe place that we can do this in love, not abusively, not tearing each other down, but wanting the best for the other person and realizing how their actions or how their words were affecting us. So maybe for you, you can think of a situation right now where you need to have a conversation with somebody. My encouragement to you, pray about it. Go into it with a humble posture. But know that if you desire deeper community, the more those conversations can happen in a loving, humble way, with integrity, the authentic community that's available on the other side is worth it. It's worth it. In the book of Proverbs, we also see a lot of these better than statements. There's a few of them that are around integrity. Proverbs 19.1 says this, better a poor person who lives with integrity than someone who has deceitful lips and is a fool. Better to be a poor person who lives with integrity than a rich one who distorts right and wrong. We read both of these statements and probably most of us in this room say, yeah, that makes sense. I can get on board with that. But do, do our lives mirror those thoughts? This is probably where living as the world says to live compared to how Christ has called us to live probably differ the most when it comes to integrity. We live in a world 
that says go and get whatever you can get, as much as you can get, and do whatever you have to do to get it. Find yourself security in this world. Cut whatever corner you have to cut to find that security, and it will be worth it in the end. Where here we realize that our security is that we are sons and daughters of the king. And maybe we don't have as much stuff, but we've walked in integrity, and it's better to have less stuff and more freedom when we're chasing after Jesus. Because my question for us would be this. If we're chasing after the security that this world offers, how is that going for us? My guess is, similar to me, the more and more I chase after the security that this world offers, the more and more that I want. The less and less secure that I feel, and I need more and more to get to myself to feel like I'm secure in what the world is offering. But the freedom that's available in understanding the freedom and the security in Christ. I don't have to have as much stuff, but I do have to be present with him. The biblical authors encourage us and inform us that it's better to live with integrity and be poor than be deceitful and rich. Again, as we talked about at the start, God guides the path of those who walk in integrity. And when God is our guide, we're able to navigate life's different, life from a different perspective and with confidence that we're secure in him. And as we've said all throughout this series, as we talk about wisdom, this wisdom does not mean that we are going to live a trouble-free life. It does not mean that we are going to be free from sickness or hardships. But it does allow us to know that we are living an honest life, humbly, with a healthy view of God, and there's life and rest and peace in that. It doesn't mean that things aren't going to be tough, but we understand when we go through those tough circumstances that we are walking with Jesus. We're doing so honestly and humbly, and we can find peace there. Jesus talked about this as well in Matthew 5, 33 through 37, Sermon on the Mount. Matthew 5, 33 through 37 says this, Again, you've heard it said to your ancestors, you must not break your oath, but you must keep your oath to the Lord. That's good advice. If you make a promise, keep your promise. But Jesus raises the bar. I tell you, don't take an oath at all, either by heaven because it's God's throne, or by earth because it's his footstool, or by Jerusalem because it is a great city of the great king. But, and do not swear by your head because you cannot make a single hair white or black. Amen? But let your yes mean yes and your no mean no. Anything more is from the evil one. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. Anything else is from the evil one. We shouldn't have to qualify our yeses or our noes. We shouldn't have to say, I promise you I'm going to do this. When we say we are going to do something, we should be people that our words should be able to be trusted and just say yes. Or if we're not going to do something, just be honest. Be transparent and say, you know what? That's not something I'm going to do. Instead of waiting for it and delaying it to the last minute where maybe we say something or we don't. Let your yes be yes and let your no be no. Again, Jesus raises the bar, but he makes it really simple. And you, can you imagine if we lived in a world where our lives were marked by this? If people could trust what we said was truthful and reliable, 
that we were men and women who were known by their integrity, who found it more valuable to walk in integrity with less things but with more freedom, who had deep friendships and relationships because they were rooted in Christ and solidified in truth, who did not live two lives but one that is solely devoted to the daily pursuit of being more like Jesus. Let me repeat that again. Imagine a world where we could be, the words we say could be truthful and reliable. Men and women marked by their integrity, who found it more valuable to walk with integrity with less things but in more freedom. Who had deep friendships and relationships because they were rooted in Christ and solidified in truth. Who did not live two lives, but one solely devoted to the daily pursuit of being more like Jesus. Can you imagine the difference our world would be if that's how the aim that we had for our life? If that's the mark that we were shooting for, was to live a life more like Jesus, with deeper relationships. Now hear me say, I hope this came across today. This is a difficult thing to do. This is something that I'm just starting to understand the freedom of this more. But it takes practice. Our daily training this week is this. Do the right thing even when no one else is watching. And when you fall short, stop, pause, confess, ask God for forgiveness, and then go and make the situation right. When you fall short, when we fall short, which we will all do, Stop, pause, confess, ask God for forgiveness, and then do whatever you can do to make the situation right. Maybe today, God brought to mind a situation or a relationship where a difficult conversation would be very beneficial. My encouragement to you is this. Take this week and pray about that. Don't text anybody right now and set up a meeting. Take this week and pray about it. Pray for that person. Pray for God's blessing in their life. Pray for their growth. Pray for their maturity. And then pray for a humble heart and an opportunity to have an honest conversation where you can be transparent and loving because you, you truly want the betterment of that other person. It's not about your agenda. It's about walking with integrity and not running to someone else to tell other people about our problems that we have with other people, but going to that person directly out of love and humbly and saying, can we talk about this? If we were to live like this, our world would be different. They would get an honest and an accurate picture of what it looks like to follow Jesus, to love like he loved, to serve like he served. So let's go and live with godly chokmah. Let's pray. Father, thank you for today.
thank you for your truth that we find in Scripture. I'm thankful that it's reliable, that we can trust it. And I pray, Lord, that we would become people who are trustworthy, who walk in integrity, who do the right things when no one else is watching, that we love boldly, that we live humbly. And it's on a word or a topic like today, Lord, that I am so thankful for your grace and for your patience with me. Father, help us to experience the freedom that is available in living a life solely devoted to you, walking in truth, in humility, and with a healthy understanding that you are God, that you are holy, and that you love us so much. Thank you for your son Jesus and his example. Thank you for your spirit who comes in and transforms our lives and makes it even possible to take steps to look more and more like him. Be with us this week, Lord. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.